Hello, and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from, and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. Our text today is twofold. First, um, the eighth, uh, eighth of the Beatitudes um, from Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. It's a text that many people often, I think, know very well. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God, the sons of God, the daughters of God. And then from the book of James, and you remember the famous aspect of the James, is that James tells us that faith without works is dead. It's putting into practice the faith that we proclaim. And in verse 17 and 18, James reminds us this, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere. And read this verse with me, because this is our connecting point between the shalom of God and the seeds of hope. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated, and as you are, I invite you to bow with me for prayer. Eternal God, show us your word and your covenant in your word, and your grace in your covenant, and your goodness in your grace, and your love in your goodness and yourself and your love, and all in the face of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. I was yesterday in um, St. Augustine, Texas, and heard the interesting story that that was actually the first outpost of Methodism in the state of Texas. It was called a missionary work in a foreign land in 1841. And I found that to be fascinating this many years later. But as I sat in worship and contemplated the focus of why we had gathered, realized there is still a missionary work at the heartbeat of the people who are called by Christ wherever we may gather. The circumstances and the calendar may change, but our purpose is the same. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. The first seven Beatitudes speak of characteristics in the life of Christ, and this seventh Beatitude builds. The eighth Beatitude speaks of the impact of what happens when you embody that. So if you remember, the eighth of the Beatitudes are blessed to you when men revile you, rebuke you, and utter all sorts of false things against you, for such they did the prophets in Christ. Blessed are the peacemakers. Thomas Watson, the famous Westminster Puritan of the 1650s, said this, Satan kindles the fire of contention and conflict in the hearts of humanity and then stands and warms himself by the fire. Satan kindles the fires of contention and conflict in the hearts of humanity and then he stands and he warms himself by the fire. There are peacemakers in this world, and there are peace breakers in this world. But God calls you and me to be peacemakers in a world of conflict. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 15. You have been called by God to peace. 
And if you belong to Christ, confess him as the Lord and Savior of your life, then you are claimed by God to be an instrument of peace, and God calls you to contribute to the peace of this world. It is not an option. It is a calling from God himself to everyone who would follow the way of Christ. Peacemakers are people who bring peace to others and to situations because they have peace themselves. Do you know some people who are just like a tornado looking for a trailer park every single day? Conflict just seems to follow them and follow them and follow them. Edward Freeman in his book, Generation to Generation, talking about family systems and the way in which we are imprinted in our behavioral patterns will say we will repeat that behavioral pattern, whether it's healthy or unhealthy, because it's familiar to us. How often do we talk, especially like in Oasis? Where are you, Nan? Up there. Wake up, Nan. There you go. Well, Roper, if you'd been asleep, I could have seen her. You were actually awake. I'm impressed. But when we have children who come to the Oasis, right? When we look at our ministry, we talk about how do we try to step in to break the cycle, right? How do we do something to change that narrative that's being played, those tapes that are being played? We want to be people who play those tapes of peace, who choose a way of peace. I heard it in my work this week. I love this phrase. You may want to get a pen out or get your recorder out. This is not mine. This came from the research I did. What fills you will spill out of you when someone else bumps into you. <laughs> That's so simple vernacular. What fills you will spill out of you when someone else bumps into you. But I want to focus, before we get too much more into the peacemaking, on the second part of this beatitude, that peacemakers will be called the sons and daughters of God, the very children of God. Why? Because being a peacemaker reflects the very character and nature of God himself, and when we embody that peace, we re reflect the character of the one in whose image we are created. How often do you look at someone that you know and you knew their parents, or you see the young children, and you'll look at them and you'll see, I see so much of your father in you, or so much of your mother in you. When people would look at my daughter and say, oh, Bert, I see so much of you in my daughter, I would take her hand and say, honey, you've got time to grow out of that. It's okay. <laughs> Remember, your mom's more than half of your gene pool. You're going to get better, okay? You're going to get better. Jesus is proclaimed is the one who's going to come, right? The, the, the promised Messiah in Isaiah chapter 9 is the Prince of Peace. When the angels gather around in Bethlehem and Christ is born, what do they say? Glory to God in the highest and what? Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. The Bible proclaims that Christ is our peace. The Holy Spirit is literally the spirit of peace. That's recorded in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. When Jesus is baptized, he's at the Jordan River. And what comes to hover over him at the moment of his baptism? A dove. And the dove is a symbol of peace. And even at the cross, where God's love and his justice meet, and why are they meeting there? Because he's bringing peace to the world which ultimately leads to the full sacrifice of his life. Remember several weeks ago, we talked about not just following Christ, but following the way of Christ. And in our culture, we think the way of Christ should bring convenience and comfort, and nobody with more than 13 items in the HEB self-serve line, because you're not supposed to be there with that many items, right? 
No, it's about the way of Christ is a way of faithfulness that sometimes is filled with conflict, and we enter into that, and we are peacemakers. We step into the brokenness. We step into the busyness because God has called us there. And God's glory is ultimately fully revealed as he's making peace with all of his creation, with you and with me, his love on full display. See, when you make peace in the world, you reflect the likeness of God, and you resemble the heavenly Father in whose image you were created. Matthew 5, 8, this beatitude immediately preceding ours today says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. One commentator suggests that every one of the Beatitudes is actually like rungs on a ladder and that the reason that blessed are the peacemakers is the last one listed is because it's the hardest. And that verse 8, the pure in heart, is the necessary building block to be able to be a peacemaker. For having a pure and undivided heart is an essential characteristic to living into being a peacemaker because it is part of the process called sanctification. Now, we as Methodists in Wesleyan heritage love some big words at times. We talk about Eucharistic theology, eschatological theology. But if you've ever touched a thing called the walk to Emmaus, which is the framework that will be the messages for those going into the Kairos ministry, there are three basic components that are always talked about, whether it's for youth, whether it's for college, whether it's for men's and women's, whether it's in prison, and it is this. We talk about a justifying grace, we talk about a provenient grace, and we talk about a sanctifying grace. The provening grace, the easiest way to think of it is in the... the the organization of the word is prevenio, which means to go what proceeds ahead of. So the idea is that there's a component, it's all the same grace, but there's a part of grace that is totally independent of your awareness or who you are. It's just reflective of the character and the nature of God, that God loves us and you can't do anything about it. It's like that grandmother's kind of love. That's the velvet-covered fist that's always thinking of you and you don't even know it and may not be aware of it. It's the God that's reaching to us totally independent. Justifying grace is what God does for us on the cross. And then sanctifying grace is what God does through us. Easiest way to think about that is what God did for us on the cross, God does through us in the Holy Spirit in sanctifying grace. And this process of sanctification literally means that we are growing into what God has intended and created us to be. Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. Occasionally, when I do my study and research for sermons, I'll, I'll find this one little footnote, and I'll go down and read it in a commentary, and it'll take me on a path to go here. And this was the rabbit hole of theological exploration today that helped me to find Bishop Henley Moore in 1886, who wrote the book, Thoughts on Christian Sanctity. Incredibly original title. And he says this, 
Peacemaking is part of the process of sanctification. Peacemaking is part of the process of what God wants to do in our lives as we make ourselves so available to the will of God and the shaping of the Holy Spirit that every moment, every day, we more fully reflect who God is calling us to be. That's great theology, right? That that God is molding and shaping us, not just from the moment of our conversion, but in the spirit of Philippians chapter 2, as Paul says, work out your salvation. It's a process in a moment, both in our history and theology. And this is where I pick up Mool's concept. In his first chapter, he's got it titled, Aims, Limits, and Possibilities. Aims, Limits, and Possibilities. Under aims, what Mool suggests as we think about peacemaking is that it is nothing less than the supreme aim of the Christian gospel that we should be holy. Nothing less than the supreme aim of the Christian gospel that we should be holy, that our life should reflect what God designs and desires us to be, and that is on the path of being made holy. How does Isaiah say it? Thou art the potter, and I am the clay. Molt me and made me after thy will, in the words of the hymn, while I am waiting, yielded and still. What is the aim of the Christian life then? The aim is to be like the one who has created us, who loved us to death on a cross, that he would love us to eternity. The one whom Paul said, I continue to press on towards the prize for which Christ has claimed me. Right? So we're being shaped into something different than who we are. This is the transformation. And, and I love this phrase. Listen to this phrase from Will. To displace self from the throne of your life and to place God on the throne of your heart. I love that image, right? To displace the selfish nature. And then he says this, that when you are on this path and your aim is to be holy as God is holy, you make not the smallest compromise with the slightest sin. Man, he could write good, right? Not even the smallest compromise with the slightest sin. But in our world today, we'll say there's no problem with a white lie. And so what he says is this, we aim at nothing less than to walk with God all day long, to abide every hour in Christ, to love God with all of our heart and our neighbor as ourselves. This is our aim as Christians if we are going to live a holy life and be peacemakers. But there's limits. So we have that aim just like you would aim to shoot something or you would aim with a golf club, which I try to do all the time and it never goes where I want it to go. But there are limits. And by limits, I love the words that that Mule says, I mean not limits in our aims, for there must be none, nor limits in divine grace itself, for there are none, but limits, however caused, in the actual attainment by us of Christian holiness. There will be limits to the last and very humbling limits to the last, but it will be the sinner who knows joy who walks with God. In other words, We have human limitations even as we have these aims and aspirations of the faith. What does that beatitude say in 5.8? Blessed are the pure in heart. Those who are meekly submitting to the will of God, hungering and thirsting for righteousness to see God, they will become the peacemakers. But there are limits to our peacemaking. Peace is never fully complete in this life. Paul says it so clearly in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. 
So there is a healthy, inappropriate boundary for you and me to understand we can't make peace in hearts of others who have no desire to live peacefully. That may be a limiting of our impact, but it does not limit our aim and what we desire to do. So don't let that stop you from trying. Don't quit because that peace can't be fully attained. Follow the way of Christ. Aims, limits, and then there's a possibility. The possibility is that we could live in peace in the midst of all kinds of exterior pressures to see the will of God in everything, not with just a sigh, but a song. I love the way that Mool says that. He writes this phrase and so wonderfully alliterates, too often what we do when we think of this sense of the possibility of what God can do, it is sort of a passing chorus of a hymn someone else wrote, I guess it could be. But say no, not with a sigh, but with a song, will it be? Can it be? Will it be through you and me to know that there is a possibility? So I love that imagery. When we think about peacemaking, we have an aim, an aspiration. We know that there are limits, and we will literally pursue the possibilities. So how do we pull this all together? We say it this way, embrace the aim, recognize the limit, pursue the possibilities. Along with that rabbit trail this week, another prayer that was picked up by Mool was um, referred to in the work I was reading. It was from a Scottish pastor, Robert Murray McShane. Um, and as I read this, I can't help but say this in a way that sort of gives a tip of the hat to the Irishman Billy Abraham. You know, I almost feel myself slipping into the Irish brogue of, of what, what um, Robert Murray McShane said. He says this, Lord Make me as holy as is possible for a pardoned sinner to be. It almost is like an Irish proverb, right? Lord, make me as holy as it is possible for a pardoned sinner to be. I love that imagery. And when it comes to peacemaking, maybe through the ages we can interpret this way. Lord, let me bring peace in this world as far as it is possible for me, an imperfect, crooked stick to be right? Friend Howie Batson in Amarillo says, as the pastor at First Baptist, even God can draw straight lines with crooked sticks. And he talks about how we should not associate what God can do through us in our availability with what we think we can do in our own merits and abilities. Friends, we're about to prepare a season that celebrates what God has been doing in the last five decades. Each week you come in, as you look to the right, you'll see that that wall will be ever-changing as we celebrate what happened as we went from what started, as Carolyn talked about today, to what it will become. We'll be celebrating what God has done through us and what God will do through us. And the words of James are so clear because they show us this connection that blessed are the pure in heart. Not Puritans, not perfect, but the word in the Greek is katharos, which means to clean. It is often used with the idea of the cleaning of a vine to produce fruit. To take all that is sort of unproductive sprigs, clean them off so that the nutrient of the vine goes to the bearing of the fruit. This is the imagery when we have an undivided focus on God. When the wisdom comes first and foremost from God because we spend time in scripture and reading and we see the heart of God and then we submit our lives so fully to God, then we will be peacemakers 
who sow in peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Friends, as we sow peace, let us embrace without reservation the aim and aspiration to be peacemakers in this world, no matter how great the conflict. Let us openly admit and recognize the limits that we would lean on each other and support one another. And let us passionately pursue the possibility of what God could do if we would let God in the words of that hymn, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Hold o'er my being absolute sway. If the world's going to be different, it'll be different because you and I choose to be peacemakers in this world. Let us pray. God, as we reflect on who we are as created in your image, your love, your glory, and all the ways in which your creation has so selfishly followed and marred that image, forgive us for the ways that we have marred the beauty of your creation. And as we reflect on what you're calling each of us to be as instruments of your peace in this world, as we go forth, echoing through the ages, O oh God, in my heart and mind are the words of St. Francis, and may they be our words each today, Lord, that you would make each of us a channel of your love as we sow your peace. That where there is hatred, you would let each of us bring your love. Where there is injury, each of us would bring your pardon and forgiveness. Where there is doubt, you would enable us to point to a faith that is true in you, not limited or contained by our own possibilities. And that you, O oh God, would grant that each of us would never seek so much as to be the one who is consoled as to extend ourselves and console others. To be understood, but as to understand others. To be loved as much to live the way of Christ and to love the world with all of our being. O oh God, make us each an instrument of your peace. Your shalom. Help this church to always sow the seeds of your grace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, do we offer this prayer. And all of God's people said, Amen.